All right, today we are talking about bonking. Now, this podcast is inspired by a, a forum I follow on Facebook where a poor guy had gone out for a ride with a mate who was a little bit faster than him and posted his results um, on the forum. It was like, what happened to me? And he was using his heart rate. His heart rate was high for the entire ride and then just fell off a cliff and he was a little bit worried and then the, everyone on the forum sort of jumped in with various things about lactic acid and everything else and I thought wow this is a great opportunity to let's talk about what actually happened in this scenario because I'm sure it's happened to you so we're going to break down what actually is bonking how we can prevent it how we can recover from it and all those good sort of things so welcome to the podcast my name is Paul let's just get stuck in now bonking it's a term that uh, endurance athletes mostly use when we sort of literally hit the wall. That was used to be the old way of talking about it, I guess. Well, you, you're trying really hard, your rate of perceived exertion is still high, but your speed and your power just falls off a cliff and it is horrible. Like you feel sick, it's, oh, everything hurts. It's, you just, you've just depleted. Now, what, why does this happen? Well, first of all, we go into something called oxygen debt. We go into the point where we can't, replenish and use oxygen as rapidly as we're consuming it and so there's a we start to use our anaerobic energy production process an awful lot more and with that comes certain downsides one it starts to deplete our glycogen stores that store of energy a lot lot faster because we can't create the atp molecules required for energy as quick and as abundantly as we can do when there's a presence of oxygen it's just like throwing oxygen onto a fire you get a big hot explosion and without oxygen the fire is just a little bit pathetic and requires more fuel for it to burn it's no different inside our bodies now one thing to remember here is that glycogen comes from sugar is present in both the blood obviously controlled by insulin but also needs to actually enter the muscle and the process of getting glycogen into the muscle is actually quite a slow process and we can use it much faster than we can replenish it through the digestion process and transporting it so even if we are consuming lots of energy gels and high sugar drinks we still can't actually digest it and get it into the muscle as quickly as we can use it as humans and this is what um, this is what happens in really intense exercise. It becomes impossible to maintain because, of course, if it wasn't impossible to maintain, we could just, you know, put ourselves in a sugary drip and just keep doing intense exercise forever. But as you know, we can only really process about 60 grams of carbohydrate an hour. So there comes a point where our digestion system just becomes overloaded and we just can't get that glycogen in there. So this is what makes really intense energy impossible to maintain it's one of the things anyway because the other element of bonking is actually the sort of the pain threshold it comes to a point where everything just becomes intolerably hard and we want to shut down and they are actually neurological signals from our brain that are saying just for god's sake stop what you're doing like i need to rest i need to replenish like i can't sustain this and your body sends out all those pain signals to the point where it says, come on, stop, give me a break, I need to get on top of this. So there's, there's sort of two limiters. One is the actual fueling limiter, and the other one is the psychological limiter triggered by your body screaming out for you to stop. So it's not in your head, it's definitely real. Now, uh, let's just talk very quickly about the pain thing, because this is quite important when you become to bonking, because 
it feels like you're putting in the same amount of effort. You know, the rate of perceived exertion is still quite high. It feels like you're trying really hard. It feels like you're trying to work through it and push through. But in actual fact, your speed and power has dropped significantly. And it probably wasn't until we had power meters and speedos on our bikes that we really recognized this. Sometimes you just went on your ride of your rate of perceived effort and it felt like you were trying just as hard at the end of the ride as you were at the start. It probably took a few teammates or a few people to ride past you to realize that you probably weren't. Nowadays, we can see that our speed is dropping. Our, definitely our power starts to drop. And what tends to happen is your heart rate drops as well, which is counterintuitive if you think about it because you think you're still trying really hard. So your heart rate should be going up. When actual fact, your body's trying to sort of shut down and, and make you stop, you know, it's just become fatigued. And remember, your heart is a muscle just like anything else. Your heart needs energy <laughs> to, to make, it, make it beat. You know, those contractions don't happen on their own. And so the body, if it recognizes that it's in danger, it will start sending out pain signals and it will start to slow everything down to preserve what's really important, which is essentially your heart and your brain. Now... Okay, what, so what causes this then? So um, the actual soreness that you get uh, is under uh, still under quite a lot of research, to be fair. And I can get why we're still saying, oh, it was lactic acid buildup, it's lactic acid buildup. And it's not. Like, the research is still pretty fresh on this, but we're pretty sure that lactic acid is probably a myth. Um, and it's become out of an assumption, really, quite a, a fair assumption. And that was that, as we do exercise, uh, um, lactate is produced. You know, so if we're measuring your blood as you do an exercise, those sports scientists were recognizing the link between exercise becoming harder and lactate getting higher. We were also noticing that blood became slightly more acidic. So it's very easy to put those two things together and assume that as you did more exercise, that something called lactic acid was making the muscles hurt because normally lactate um sorry sorry acid is normally a painful thing to have in the body what's actually really happening is hydrogen ions are being released at that glucose pyruvate level and we actually think it's the hydrogen ions that are making the blood more acidic now what actually then happens is that the lactate is produced to try and offset the problem of the increase in hydrogen ions now the interesting thing about making your blood more acidic is that it also has a higher affinity for oxygen. So the body's actually trying to create a method of achieving homeostasis by doing this as well. Now, this necessarily doesn't necessarily lead to the pain in your muscles. Where we actually believe that the pain is coming from is the electrolytes required to actually trigger a contraction in the muscle. Now, this is where we get into the idea that as a signal comes from your brain, it, it needs to travel into your muscle and cause a twitch. And when we do a twitch is generated from that little molecule of ATP that we've probably talked about on previous podcasts. And it's fairly common language now in cycling. So if you're not aware, ATP is that little molecule of energy that actually makes a muscle twitch. Um, lots of that goes on in your body and makes a muscle contract. And, and that's how we get, you know, a pedal stroke now to get the signal from the brain to the muscle we need a a process of sodium and potassium passing through that neural network 
And as that happens, calcium is released and that's what triggers the ATP release. And as the ATP is released, sodium and potassium is reset. Now, if we do that lots and lots and lots and lots of times, what happens is that sodium, potassium, calcium mix starts to become depleted. And this is what we believe is actually leading to the point where your muscles will stop. Anyone who's done a VO2 max test or a maximum test of any type will know that in a weird way that you're trying really hard and all of a sudden a pedal stroke just doesn't happen. It, it, you know, your muscles just don't fire. It goes, oh, stop. But it only takes a few seconds and then you can pedal again. And that's because by that time, the blood is pumped around your body a little bit. We've managed to replenish it. You'll still be tired. You won't be able to go and do the same amount of effort, but you will be able to move your muscles again once everything has reset. And now this is, all of this is sending all those pain signals to your brain to slow down. So what this poor chap felt when he was bonking and he experienced his heart rate was dropping that he hadn't really noticed until he uploaded his results. It's quite normal. This is your this is your brain screaming at you to say, "Hey, slow the hell down!" Like, my I am not in homeostasis, and your body likes to be in homeostasis. That in everything's in balance. It likes a good level of glycogen supply. It likes a good level of oxygen supply. Your body likes to find this level. And if it goes out of whack, it will do it for a little while. That fight or flight thing, adrenaline, endorphins will help you get there. But when your body can't sustain it your brain will send those messages out to get you to slow the hell down. And that's what's happening. So I hope that sort of makes sense of the science. To recap it very, very quickly, glycogen from sugary foods, carbohydrates, needs to be in the blood and get into the muscle, which is a slow process, and we need to keep on top of it. We can't just let it deplete and throw an energy gel in there. We need to be constantly feeding that that, that process um, when it depletes it um, it produces lactate not necessarily lactate acid and hydrogen ions which lactate might be helping to offset but also we are just reducing the fuel that we need to actually make a muscle contraction and electrolytes are really important as well so how can we mitigate uh, <laughs> the problem of bonking the first one, obviously, is pacing and fueling, uh, which is why we do all this testing around what is your lactate threshold, because once you hit that lactate threshold, we go into that oxygen debt that we talked about. Essentially, when there's not enough oxygen, we start to utilize our anaerobic system a lot more. And if we can avoid that for as long as possible um, or give our body significant time to replenish at that level and get back on top of our oxygen debt, then we can continue on at a higher intensity. Ultimately, pedaling or cycling or running, whatever it is, above that lactate threshold will result in you bonking. That is what's the whole point of an FTP test is theoretically that FTP score, that functional threshold power that we've talked about loads and loads of times before, you should bonk <laughs> at the hour. You know, that, that should be glycogen depleted, oxygen depleted, that should be done you know um <laughs> but on a ride that's not all that useful you know if you're especially if you're bonking halfway through a ride you know that's where we need to start thinking intelligently about how we pace and how we fuel the ride to make sure that we're going as hard as we can but not to the point where we fall off the cliff and this is all that knowledge about 
What is your lactate threshold? What can you sustain at a certain level? What sort of fuel do you need to sustain it? How often do you need to consume that fuel and the electrolytes and the hydration that goes with it? And oh my God, I've labored this point so much, but endurance is a skill. And this bonking thing really does highlight how much skill goes into the endurance athlete, just listening to your body, knowing what to eat, how frequently to eat, to keep your body as close to a homeostasis as you can get while still performing at your best is the good way of of thinking about it. And that is not just eating when you're hungry. If you're eating when you're hungry, it's too late. (laughs) Not just having a massive energy bar every hour because by that time it's too late. If you read all the stuff around nutrition, it is like two or three types of gels. You know, that 60 grams of carbohydrate an hour cannot be consumed once in an hour. That needs to be drip fed into your system constantly, especially if you're at a higher level of intensity like this like this poor chap was. So little and often sugary substances, I mean, jelly babies, that sort of thing are great energy gels, but it's frequent fueling, especially if you're operating at these intensities. Now, in reality, we don't really just do, um, we don't just ride after that take threshold. There's normally a point on a course or a route where we're operating below that and we're within our comfort zone, if you like, where we are still able to produce energy with oxygen. And every now and then we'll get to a big hill um, and then have an opportunity to recover. And those recovery processes are really important because the quicker we can get glycogen back into our system the quicker we will recover this goes for in ride as well as post exercise as well so if you are on a big you know sportive ride or a big 100 mile ride or whatever and you you get to a big hill it's important that you feel before it possibly even during it and definitely after it to get that recovery process going and i know like you're going downhill you're on your drops you're going fast you don't want to be thinking about it But that is your opportune moment to eat something and start replenishing that muscle glucose. Eat, drink, actually um, high sugary drinks like the SIS beta fuel, that sort of thing is fantastic for this. Just to try and get blood sugar up, try and get that sugar back into the muscles while you're not necessarily needing it and give it a time to replenish. And if you've been doing a really, really hard workout... um, something like a Zwift race, for instance, where you probably do train very close to or even over your lactate threshold, and you might do it repeatedly, carbohydrate replenishment is probably more important than protein replenishment if you intend to do a similar effort the next day. So this is really important for multi-day eventers, that sort of thing, where you get an opportunity to uh, stop and then go the next day so uh, in my background in adventure racing we often had um, stage races where there'd be a short amount of time to you know change a kit eat etc before you go back out on the next stage and that was just carbs 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 it's just like you just need to eat and eat and eat and replenish and replenish as quickly as you possibly can um, even the whole process of going through like collecting your results or whatever it is and going to the car park it needs to be you know, start that recovery process as quickly as you possibly can whilst your heart rate and respiratory rate are quite high and we can take advantage of that to start the replenishment process before the body starts to calm the hell down. Now, if you're not 
going out on a another workout or another activity straight away you can be a little bit more sensible with your car with your recovery and that's what we start thinking about nourishment and protein to actually repair so there's a difference here between when we're training and when we're racing or when we're doing if you like and this peak season some of you might be racing two or three times a week if not more um, and you need to do you know a race on a tuesday night or something but then you've got another uh, another race on a thursday and you might, might be doing something again on the weekend you know now is not the time to be worried about your diet now is the time to think about the recovery process so you can repeat the effort again and that is you know just eat some cake <laughs> no nourishment is really important those electrolytes that we talked about those vitamins minerals are really important but don't be scared of carbohydrates in this point in the winter when you're trying to build your strength when you're taking a little bit more time between your workouts your workouts can be a bit more controlled than a, a race schedule that's when we can really start thinking about good nourishment protein the anabolic process that we talked about the process of building muscles as opposed to the catabolic process that we're talking now of producing energy you know so there's a whole load of stuff in the back catalogue of, pro- of, uh, of podcasts about this for you to, to, to delve into. So, yeah, <laughs> um, just trying to recap on all that is carbs are really important. Make sure you're eating just little and often, keeping on top of that, of that fueling, remembering that it takes a while for carbohydrates to be processed into glucose into pyruvate to be in out of the bloodstream and into the muscle where it can actually do something that's a long process and you just keep that going just like a constant feed of fuel and you should be good also remember that concept of oxygen debt that once you're in that um, anaerobic phase if you can think of it like a bank account being in debt and sometimes you need to ease back on the spending and let you come out of your overdraft that's the good way of thinking about it and you knowing that you can't sustain that level and if you like this poor chap and he went out for a ride and with his mate sometimes you've got to tell your buddy that you you can't keep up and they'll probably appreciate that especially if you're doing a 50 miler or something like that together and if you blow up in 25 miles there is no way you're holding that speed again. It's just going to be a slow, painful crawl back for both of you. Um, so you might as well just ease back a little bit, keep it within your limits and enjoy the entire ride rather than going hell for leather for half the ride, bonking, and then everyone having a miserable time for the rest of the ride. <laughs> so it's the polite thing to do. It's a gentlemanly thing to do is to is to warn your mate that you are at that level you can't sustain this this is going to hurt if you try and keep this up it's going to be a horrible day out for everybody rain it back in a little bit uh, and you should be well you should be enjoying enjoying your ride um i should probably mention is there a training benefit to bonking no uh very very old school way of thinking is if you went out on a ride and you purposefully didn't eat and you tried to achieve a bonk that your body would adapt to that and become better at fueling Uh, no it's actually your body's better off being able to repeat efforts and we're going to talk about this in another podcast actually i'll probably do a youtube about this in a second about the idea of minimum effective dose to trigger an adaptation Uh, and that means that if you just do the very bare essential needed 
to make to stress your body enough that it actually wants to adapt and become stronger that's what we're looking for and if we can repeat that frequently uh, that's the better way of making progress with your fitness if you do a monumental effort where you bonk the recovery time can be so long that any fitness that you might have gained will be mitigated by the amount of rest required so to put that another way is if you try really hard you get really tired by the time you've recovered enough to repeat the effort you've probably already lost all the fitness that you've gained so little and often and just hard enough to trigger adaptation i think this is going to be uh, a new catchphrase the minimum effective dose to trigger adaptation we're going to talk about that quite a bit more coming up but having said that the the next podcast i really want to talk about is the kickbacks to the polarized system because one of the advantages of the polarized system is that if you can um, prolong the process of oxygen debt then you can go faster at a more aerobic energy uh, expenditure now well i get whenever we take on a new athlete here and we start prescribing low intensity training there is always kickback um oh it doesn't feel like i'm doing anything and that's what i want to talk about so right now if you're looking at this again i want to go out there i want to max out i want to get fit and you're being told everywhere you look at the moment is you know go slow to go faster and you're like what I want to talk about the actual kickbacks, you know, the excuses that I hear, how to justify them in my mind, and actually, you know, how to ride, because I know what it's like. You, you go out and um, on a nice slow ride, you're watching your heart rate, and like your mates in the cycling club will come blasting past you, going, oh, what's wrong with you going so slowly? You know? <laughs> um, so I get it. So we're going to talk about that in, in the next podcast and see if we can um, give you some strategies to, to do the right thing. Right, that's enough from me. I hope today's podcast was useful. Um, if it was too technical, uh, let me know. Or whether it wasn't technical enough and you would like even more detail, then please let me know. I can go into as much detail as I want. But what I find fascinating about these podcasts is really trying to explain quite complicated things in a way that I think will be useful to you when you're actually out on your ride. And you can go, oh yeah, that's what's happening to my body. I need to do this. If we're achieving that, please let me know. Right, that's it. We're out. See you on the next one.